Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is two guests. That's right, you're getting two guests for the price of one. And as the podcast is completely free, it really is an absolute bargain. Today I'm going to be joined by the director, Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella. We're here both to talk about the brand new release from Arrow Video of After Midnight, also talk about one of the early films, Battery, as well as other things within movie industry. So I'm really excited they're both joining me, and it's one of the best releases I've seen from Arrow Video in a very long time. And After Midnight itself, the extra on the actual discs is The Battery, which is a fucking awesome film. So I urge you, as you're listening to this, to jump on Amazon and order it, because you will not be let down. It's a masterpiece, a great film, and both Jeremy... Honestly, his acting and directing and writing is absolutely phenomenal. One of the best in the game. And I really, truly believe that right now in this business that's going on, when it's really hard to kind of make a name for yourself, he's one of the ones to watch. And I'm absolutely blown away that him and Christian are both on today's episode. But you know the score by now. I like to touch base and talk about the previous episode. And this was with Mike Kuna. We got to talk all about the Pretender film and documentary. And this was an episode I put out there hoping it would do well. He's not one of the biggest names in the industry, but his stories were fantastic. His energy and his passion are like no other guests that I've had. So I really hope that the kind of interview went down well with the public and that the listeners really kind of jumped on board because he isn't the big name like Anthony Hopkins or Mads Mikkelsen, but I believe his interview was one of my favourites and I really am blown away by the response. Everyone jumped on board. Everyone was emailing me and letting me know just how much passion was in this and how much they enjoyed the episode. I've seen people now kind of finishing some of their hobbies and some of their projects they've been working on and said it really inspired them. I saw one of my close friends, Damien, say that this has inspired him to finish one of his graphic novels that he's writing. And if that's the sort of stuff happens and that's the sort of things that occur from listening to Mark and me, then I'm doing my job properly and it means the absolute world. So thank you very much. What I want to do now is get straight to my interview. I'm really excited for this one. And as I just mentioned, you need to go and check these films out. The Battery and After Midnight. They're fucking awesome. But let's get to my interview with me, Jeremy and Christian. Here goes. Christian and Jeremy, thanks very much for both taking the time to join me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Oh, thanks for having us. So first of all, Jeremy, what I want to do is get a bit of an idea about your kind of childhood and your influences when you were growing up. Was there certain films you were watching that made you fall in love with cinema, or was it a certain actor? How did this come about? Uh, you know, well, I was raised pretty, uh, pretty in a pretty poor household in Central Florida, um, so my I don't have, really have like a lot of specific film references I mean I have a bunch obviously Jaws was, was one of the biggest influences of my life but um growing up it was every once in a while when we would have a decent amount of money my mother would like get HBO for the house and so I would just watch anything that was on HBO I would just record everything that was on on super long play mode on VHS and just watch as many movies as I could until we were poor again and she canceled it. So we would have HBO in these like two and three month increments throughout the year. And I would just devour whatever was on. And I remember one of my earliest memories is uh, waking up, you know, when I was four or five years old and walking into the, I see the blue light of the TV and I walk into the living room. And my dad is watching the Hills Have Eyes, Crazy wow. Hills Have Eyes. 
And then he he decided he thought that that would be the perfect time to, to to tell me that one day I was going to die, <laughs> and I and I remember just absolutely bawling and crying until I like passed out from exhaustion. Like he was, and you know, looking back, you realize, oh, my dad was like in his early twenties. He didn't really understand, but uh, it was just that mix of learning that while that movie was playing was uh, pretty profound. It kind of stuck with me. Yeah, it's not the best way to kind of learn how people die, and I suppose at that age your mind is all over the place anyway, so you went to bed probably absolutely terrified. Yeah, it wasn't great. And what about you? You know, that's funny. Listening to Jeremy answer that, I'm like, oh, that's a way better answer than mine. <laughs> and I mean, like, that's, I mean, it's a more appropriate answer for my life than my answer would have been, because I totally forgot about the days of, uh, like, getting HBO and, and recording to tapes. And we would have these tapes that had three movies in a row on them. I remember being like three and watching All Dogs Go to Heaven on videotape. And I would have to stand there at the end of the movie in front of the TV so I could hit stop before the Dark Crystal came on and scared the crap out of me. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd be like, oh no, this tape's the one with that with that puppet. Um, you know, I probably didn't think it was a puppet at the time. I probably thought it was uh, something that was going to be in my closet later. But yeah, no, that's weird. That that I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, it's a much earlier memory than the memory I was going to have, which would have probably been like, you know, going to video stores and renting like every Friday the 13th movie in a row. But I, that would have been like much later when I was like eight. I remember when my dad let me choose any video I ever wanted from Blockbuster Video. Um, so I was, I think I must have been about eight or nine. And I went in and I don't think he really understood that an 18 shouldn't be for anyone who's like eight or nine. And they let me borrow and rent out Alien. And that was one of my first films that kind of shocked me. Um, and I was watching it with one of my friends from school and their parents then came to pick them up and the next day fell out with my mum and dad and said, you're the worst parents in the world, you should never let my son watch this film. But for me, it was the start of watching Jaws and The Shining and all the films that have influenced me today. But yeah, I don't think parenting is the right way to do Hills of Eyes or Alien. <laughs> I also think that, you know, like my mother will sometimes get She'll be like, oh, I didn't raise you guys right. And I'm like, but mom, you're like so proud of me. And I'm like, and you're proud of me because you didn't stop me from like finding out, you know, the things that interest me. You didn't stop me from exploring things that were, I was curious about. And if, if, if they hadn't been so open on what I could watch and, and read when I was younger, then I, who knows if anything would have ever come of all of this. It's kind of just, you know, raising your kids right and then just, like, trusting them to, like, explore, you know, the kind of art and, and, and interests they have that kind of shape people like us. So with you guys, obviously, um, telling me about your first kind of experience and what films you're watching and stuff, at what point was it that you thought you'd like to make a career out of it and that you thought, because everyone growing up probably doesn't always become what they want, you know, um, but... Was it at an early age that you both thought, I want to get involved in directing or cinematography or editing? or How did it become about? Well, I'm thinking I might try to make a career out of it in the next four or five years. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's a really like a long-winded story that Christian is, and is kind of like tied into. So I, 
you know, we started making these little goofy movies um, when we were in high school. Uh, each year, Christian, you know, would would they would get whatever toy was was hip that year, and and their father always got them the latest video camera or something. And we would go, I would go over there on the day after Christmas, and we would make. So we made a a movie about killer beanie babies one year, and then the next year we made a a uh, a movie that was basically a spoof of Psycho that was about Furbies because that was a hot toy that year. And then the following year we made a movie about uh, Pikachu that was a Jaws and Jurassic Park kind of homage. And we just started goofing around with this stuff, and then and then uh, one day I was like, we should just make a full one. And I wrote like something in the vein of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but it was about killer plastic bags. And we spent this whole summer just trying to learn how to make a feature-length movie just out on this farm. It probably took us three months to film it. Um, but then we kind of realized, oh, we, we learned all the, you know, the the problems that you have trying to make a movie. And um, and then we went and kind of we made another one, but we kind of all moved on and went up to Connecticut and moved away. And I was just kind of trying to kind of um, pursue acting. And then I got really disenchanted with the audition process. And I, I decided, you know, uh, I, I think I miss making movies with my friends. So I decided I would write a movie that where the budget was kind of built into the story where I would, where I would tailor the story around what I thought we could manage. And, uh, and that's when I wrote the battery as kind of an acting showcase for myself and, and as a way to try to, I knew like the technology had kind of caught up to, to where you could make a movie that would probably feel like it could play, you know, in festivals alongside other movies, even though it didn't have a budget. And that's when I had to convince Christian to try to get on board with it because he had become a food photographer in the interim. And then, uh, Christian, you can take over there. Yeah, no, I was when we were making movies when I uh, when we were both really really young. Uh, I would just be in them sometimes, and then I would I started writing some movies, but I didn't want it. I never wanted to do anything like technical on movies, so I I wasn't uh, I was never holding the camera or anything. And so after we took like a ten year break, uh, I just so happened to end up in a career in food photography so i ended up working with cameras and cameras happened to suddenly all shoot video you know still cameras started all shot shoot video now uh so it just so happened that i had the equipment to make a movie and jeremy had raised a a measly six thousand dollars uh to film one and i felt really bad that he had like six thousand dollars that he had taken from all of his friends and so i was like i guess i'll make this movie but i hate zombies and uh but i'm really glad that i i like reluctantly was dragged back into it and then it was like when it was done it was like oh wait this isn't what we were doing as kids this is okay we're actually making um even though the stuff we made as kids was actually good quality for the time it's like no but this is actually there's actually an audience for for uh indie movies uh now and so i was like okay well now maybe this is a career option 
because I think when we were kids, I think we went to a couple film festivals, but it's like after that, it's like, I don't know, we, you trade videos through the mail, you know, VHS tapes through the mail with a couple people. And that's about the only option you have at that, at that time. And now there's just, you know, we are actually have a quality that you can get released. I mean, Jeremy, you just mentioned there the battery. Now, in this film, obviously, you wrote, directed, and starred in it. Now, that's it kind of gives me that feel of, like, Kevin Smith in Clerks. You know, he self-funded it, he got the money together, people believed in it and bought into it, and that's hell of a lot to do, though, isn't it, when you're trying to produce something that you're really invested in. Now, to make sure that you wrote it, directed, and starred, did you feel that you might have, bit enough more than you could chew or was it just the ambition that drive you to do all those things i mean if you're making a movie for six grand with five people you have to bite off more than you can chew i'm pretty everybody on that set had like nine or ten hats on you know adam our co-star uh the co-star of that movie he ended up becoming a producer he was getting you know catering for extras and you know acting at the same time so you kind of just end up having to do everything just like christian was you know, shooting and editing and sound, everything that had to be done on that movie. But as far as, like, writing, directing, acting goes, uh, Kevin Smith was has always been one of my, my idols, not because necessarily I'm in love with his 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 movies. It's just the, the way, the gumption he had to do them and the way he puts himself out there and the way he makes himself open and available and kind of transparent has always been something that, like uh, when we went on our first festival tour, kind of the inspiration behind that, and we we won the audience award at the first two festivals we played, and I re- and I, I realized that that was just me being Kevin Smith, being there and being open and available to the audience. It's all politics. It's all song and dance, and and trying to build an audience that will follow you from, you know, from project to project, regardless of whether it's the same thing you did before. So I've always really respected him for that. But as far as writing directing and acting that was just because well i wrote it number one so i could try to make something i definitely was trying to write myself a role um that i didn't have to audition for which is the best kind of role and then um directing was just an obvious call because i was i had been i was the only one involved with the movie for so long i knew the story front to back um but i didn't really I, I, directing is certainly the, the, the last one on that list as far as the stuff that I'm, I'm the most confident in doing. I've always been a performer and I've always been a writer, but directing is something that kind of fell into and now I'm trying to, you know, learn as, you know, as, as I go on, especially with Christian coming on as my co-directing partner. It's a nice balance to have and figure out as we go because, you know, if you want to make the kind of stories that we want to tell, which are like kind of weird and certainly different and, and, and more character focused. And a lot of people say they're, you know, mixing genres when they're just kind of a weird slice of lifestyle that we have. You, if you want to do those kind of movies, you, you kind of have to direct them yourself. You're not, this, there was, these aren't the kind of scripts you're going to sell to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And, and Christian, obviously you've done sound editing, editing, directing, cinematography. Jeremy was just saying how the directing is kind of the least important at the moment but with yourself you've kind of grown new skills as you've gone along but what is it that your heart's really in now is it directing that you've been able to co-direct and have the real flavor of being in charge and doing a lot more yes i would say definitely the directing thing like i i want you know jeremy and i uh want to co-direct in the 
future, everything, hopefully. And, um, like I, I can see myself co-directing the next one, but I can also see, uh, I can see not doing say the cinematography even on the next one, uh, which, which is crazy. Uh, cause that's what, you know, that was what I did on the battery. That was my main thing on the battery, but I'm trying to take some of the jobs off the table, you know, like on, on, on the new movie, I didn't, I didn't have to do the sound mixing, yeah, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, the battery was after we finished making the battery or shooting the battery, you know, I had to basically learn how to sound mix a movie, uh, how to, you know, uh, I knew how to do some music mixing, uh, but I had to do, uh, the, 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 the mix of the score and all that stuff. And it's like, I think the post-production on that movie was like a year and uh, it's like, okay, I can't, I can't do uh, eight different jobs at once. Jeremy always jokes. Cause I also really like to, to write Jeremy always jokes that I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm working on post-production for like an entire year and he can just take that year and, uh, and write the next movie. So then it's like, it's like, I want to write something, but it's like, I don't have the time. I'm working on, the, I'm still working on the other one. Yeah, it's a devious plan that I've devised where I get to write everything we make because he has no time. And also, but, to clarify, I, w- I wouldn't say so I would I wouldn't say directing is the least important. I would say it was the it's the one that came the least naturally to me. Yeah. Uh, but I can also see in the future, like stepping back from the acting roles um, and focusing more just on the story. If if there's not a role for me in it, that's something I can I can certainly see happening too. I was. I would also say on the battery too. It's like, I, I like. I think Jeremy w- did a really, really good job directing um, Adam, the co-star, and 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 also critiquing his own performance. And that movie is all about the performances. But when I think back on that set, as far as um, like the set portion of that set, it did feel like it's just a group of people all trying to put out fires at all times. Like it, it, it feels like like chaos, but, but there's only five people. So it's, it's very, it's, you know, it's not, it's like organized chaos. And I feel like it's, it was, it was a lot of just teamwork and we, we all knew we had to get something done. And, uh, and, and so I, it, it's weird. I don't know. It feel it felt, it feels, it doesn't, it didn't feel like a, a dictatorship where Jeremy's like, you know, directing everyone at all times. I think we all, we are all working towards a common goal on that set. And Jeremy, the first time I ever saw you on screen was when I watched the film Spring. It's one of those films that, in my opinion, didn't get enough people talking. Um, I think it's fucking awesome and one of the best films I've seen in the last decade and I tell everybody I know to see it. Um, You must be so proud to be involved in that movie. Uh, yeah, I was. I was not just proud to be involved, but that, that that movie was the first real set I had been invited on. Yeah. Uh, not not only that, but Justin and Aaron, you know, to give me that role, they had to Taft Hartley me into SAG, which basically, you know, it, it's hard to get into SAG if you're not in SAG. It's one of those weird, um, you know, those catch twenty twos, and there were plenty of bearded you know, white actors who could have played that role in LA, but they knew that, that I wanted to be in movies. And so they, they, they actually 
went through a lot of hoops to cast me in that movie. Um, uh, as far as the as far as the um, the guild goes, and then just being able to be on that set and watch the way that they worked, and that was the first time I met Dave Lawson, who ultimately, uh, along with Justin Aaron, produced our latest movie, um, and just to see how you know, like the opposite of what Christian was saying, which was, you know, the five of us, you know, in the trenches, just like trying to put out 10 fires at once where everybody seemed to know what they were doing. And, and it was calm and, and, and those, you know, those people weren't running around with their you know heads spinning and swivels. I really realized, Oh, okay. This is actually what you're, what you build up to. This is what you're aiming for, which is to have a, you know, to be able to make a movie with where the conditions are right and where, you know, there are people whose job it is to put out the fires before you even realize that there there, there are fires being started. Um, and so that Justin and Aaron were able to kind of live in this creative bubble where they were just very calmly talking to each other and setting up the shots and not worrying about uh, whether or not they had enough pizza for the for the for the extras and they were simply focused on their on the creative side and you know getting to know those guys has been one of the great gifts that the battery gave us because we were able to meet them and get to know them on the festival sort circuit around the world and um it was very interesting because they're the first two filmmakers we met and we met them when they were touring with resolution which was kind of a very low budget you know, indie horror movie about two friends and we were touring with the battery, which was about, you know, two friends, just kind of low budget. And, uh, and then once I got to know them, I, I asked Justin if he would read the, the script for after midnight, which was at the time called something else. And, uh, and, and he, he read it and he was so kind. He, he just said it was the, the, made him cry. And it was, and he told me that he had also written a romantic monster movie. So, independent of each other spring and after midnight which was written six seven years ago uh justin and i had both also written uh, monster movies with a romance angle so it's just uh, they've been they've been the best it's been a really long road and obviously mentioning after midnight uh with arrow video in the uk over here distributing this and doing a special edition and the film getting great reviews have you kind of both blown away by the reception or um has it been a real learning curve or are you really proud of the movie and excited about the the release through arrow and people now discovering this movie yeah i mean where arrow is one of the few companies left that are still doing uh physical releases and not just like really really good physical releases so it was really awesome to hear uh, that they were doing the release. I mean, it's weird when you when you put out a movie, and it for you know when it starts getting distribution all over the world, you kind of just like get an email every once in a while that's like, okay, uh, this company in 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 Italy is releasing it, and this company and this is releasing it, and it's it's like it's when you see an Arrow is releasing it in the UK that you go, oh crap. You know, especially me, because I go, oh, crap, that means I'm going to have to make way more special features. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, even Arrow, Arrow, one of Arrow's special features is an entire disc that is the battery, our first movie, The Battery, with all the special features for The Battery, which is hours of special features. And that's just a, that's just a bonus on there. It's amazing. 
Yeah, Arrow's the reason that I have no money when I get paid. They bring out the best editions over here and steel books and special like special editions and it's 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 so bad trying to resist but every single time they up their game so it's amazing to see your title as part of this collection. It it's it is it's amazing and part what the weirdest thing is you know at this level uh, and, and certainly after midnight was a huge step up for us from the battery. I mean, well, we had a real set, we had a real crew. Um, but we don't, we, you know, we haven't made a, uh, a damn dime on this movie. We haven't made any money. So when it, you know, when you start, start to think about like the, what, you know, what makes it worth it or the legacy of it all, you go, okay, well, people liked it. Number one, that's great. And two, I get to put that arrow like edition on my shelf and like, say, look, it's real. Look at this. Look how cool this thing is. Yeah. Look at all this stuff. Somebody cared enough. We just can't watch it because it's it's we're in the U.S. It's a different region. <laughs> yeah, region B. <laughs> oh, I'm buying. I'm buying. A, I'm buying a region fruit Blu-ray player anyway. Yeah, you got to just for that release. <laughs> and both of you um, now, what's the future looking like? So this release is out there now. People can go out and buy it. And you both have mentioned you'd like to co-direct again. What what's the future looking like? Have you got some projects lined up as we speak? Well, I had to put on hold my pandemic race riot civil war movie that I was going to do. Um, yeah. It just feels a little too prescient. Yeah. Um, no, I think we're just trying to survive right now. I'm, I mean, we're both writing. Uh, I'm writing uh, a couple of different stories right now. I'm writing uh, something to do with aliens, and I'm writing a, I had a little twist on a vampire thing. I always had this, this, um, this like hope that I would be able to do like eight or nine of like the classic genres with my own take on them. So I've done a monster movie. I've done a, a zombie movie. I always wanted to hit the vampire werewolf ghost, uh, home invasion. You know, there's like, I have like all these aliens. I always wanted to try to hit all of those, um, with my own ideas. So I'm kind of working on a alien and a vampire story right now. And Christian's also writing something. Yeah. I'm working on something, um, about like more of a sci- more sci-fi than horror uh, uh about a, a a hump i guess i'll just say that but it's it's also romantic uh i think you know every time any, anything we're going to write is probably going to be heavily character focused um with some kind of genre supporting it um but but in in the meantime, I'm, I'm working on. I gotta photograph some chicken tenders later. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I have to go work at a bar again tonight. Yeah. But I've also got some. Uh, you know, I, I keep forgetting half the movies I did. I also was. I I, I shot a a pretty fun role in Mickey Keating's latest movie, which uh, is not out yet. And um, got a movie coming out called Fingers that Juan Ortiz, who worked on our movie, uh, directed, which is really fun and weird. Christian shot that one, and. Um, Hopefully people keep casting me in their weird stuff so I can keep my face out there while we're trying to get our other movies made. And my final question to each of you, um, this is quite a hard world to get in and trying to make a name for yourself in the movie industry is never easy. You said then you're going to go and work in a bar tonight, you've not made any money off after midnight. What advice do you give to people that are listening to the podcast right now who want to try and make a name for themselves in the film industry or get started and start producing films like you did with the battery, etc. Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, you just gonna have to like tell a story that only you can tell. Like you, you know, don't, 
don't try to chase any trends. Just if you, it, you, it has to be something that you really, really want to make. And then you got to just find a way to, you know, like work within your means. Don't, don't try to write a, uh, you know, a world war one Zeppelin epic because it's just, you know, it's just going to make it that much harder. Just find the cut to the, you know, cut to the core of what you want to talk about and then find a way to, to write a compelling story that works within those means. That's the best way you can, you can start. That's, you know, that's what we did. And then you have to find somebody like Christian. You have to find friends and people who are willing to go through the shit of two years, um, to actually make it. I think my, my big advice is, is always that you need to have some kind of stable, I, I wouldn't say career, but some kind of stable, uh, way to make money that is is not just stable but flexible because you're gonna do both you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna have to make money elsewhere for the first couple films um i think i think everybody has kind of told us like you know when we go on the festival circuit i think especially um like like in be, be right before we made after midnight i think one of the questions that i always ask people is like how do you how do you live like how do you make money in in this business and i think everyone kind of always says it's like yeah you're gonna you know you'll you'll actually start making money around like the third or the fourth movie uh you know like you have to just keep building them up and building them up building it up or or work in commercials and stuff but um we live in florida and and, and uh there isn't much of that going on Unfortunately, yeah, everybody I know who's making money has like um, has side skills. You know, it's like, uh, oh well, this guy is an editor on the side. This guy does special effects on the side, and, I, and it's like, well, my only two skills are writing, which is impossible to break into, and acting, which is even harder. So I don't have any technical skills. So get a technical skill. Also, is my advice. That was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank have you. A, have a good rest of the day. So there it is. What a great couple of guys. And it's been a while since I had more than one guest in one sitting on the podcast. And I absolutely love it. The dynamic's different. The conversation flows differently. And I'm absolutely blown away by Jeremy and Christian. I really can't wait to see what they're going to do next. Arrow Video put out this release, as I said at the start of today's episode of After Midnight. And it's absolutely phenomenal. The extras are incredible. All the commentaries... It's a really nice package, but it is very limited, and it's not one of those things that will still be available in a few months' time. I'm not paid by Arrow to say this, but you'll probably know I'm a massive collector of their stuff, and this is one of the best releases they've done. So don't delay. Go out there and buy this, and let me know what you think. Thanks again to everyone that's taken the time to listen to the podcast. We're in a weird time still the world is still in lockdown, and everything's a bit crazy, but I really do appreciate everyone that's still kind of contributing via their Patreon for this podcast. They're going out there and still listening and taking the time to let me know what they think of the episodes. And that's why I do it. To read the feedback, the comments, and all the sort of feedback that I get is the reason I podcast, and I absolutely love it. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please hop onto markandme.com. On there, there's my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, my email. Let me know what you thought of the episode, and I will also make sure that I always let the guests know as well. So please... Keep the feedback coming. I'm going to be back. This episode is only about three or four days after Mike, so they're coming 
really kind of thick and fast at the moment and I don't intend to slow down anytime soon. The good thing about the lockdown is that a lot of guests are currently at home or not working so I can get these interviews done and there's a huge episode coming up in only a few days time. So as always, thanks for supporting Mark and me and I'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode. Take care everyone.